Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Um, what I love is that we're all on this journey together to explore new terrain, and when we explore new frontiers, there's going to be some fits and starts, and 
Um, I, I love being part of a startup and being part of, uh, you know, a, a new group that's building something. So this is this is fun, <laughs> even with the with the music and it was, where's my Ben stock? Where's my ride or die? I can't believe he's not here. He must be in a dead cell zone or oh, I don't, I don't know. The audience. Let's get him on up here. Come he on. joined and then it dropped there off. There he is. Get on up here, Brian Benstock. <laughs> he texts you, I'm in the audience. Yeah, I feel, I feel the love. I feel the love putting me in the bleachers. I, okay. Listen, I was, up here, <laughs> I, I was overlapping Barb's intro music with her intro and her. I'm trying to do the handoff, but I, I apologize, Brian Benstock. And all you other moderators, I actually blame Raylan. It's his clubhouse anniversary. I don't know why he wasn't pulling you up. Raylan, what were you doing? I was in the middle of dropping my son off and being yelled at. So, Brian, that is my fault. I, I take full oh, ownership. I'm so sure. glad I'm not the only one who has my kids yelling at me when I'm going to school. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, big, tough business guy. Yeah, uh -huh. at home, I'm nothing. You know, I mean, my gosh. My, my daughter my daughter was giving me a hard time the other day. I was on Clubhouse, and she's like, she's like Dad, if you keep that Clubhouse on, when you unmic, I'm going to say you're such a terrible dad. Oh, she said something more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. I'm like, oh my. God. This is his so, teenage daughter had more uh, a better support. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. And she she happens to you know have a, a an incredibly high IQ, and then she scares me, you know, because she'll do stuff like that. She has no problem to get her 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 point across. She'll go overboard. I don't know where she gets that from, but uh, she is absolutely opinionated. Uh, and uh, not afraid to lean in on things she believes in. Apples don't fall far from trees. So we like seeing this this spirit in our in our offspring. David, good morning. Good morning, Barb. How are you? Good. So you're on the left coast. This is pretty early for you, huh? It is. It is. I typically get up so, uh, around five a.m. Uh, sometimes a little before, a little after. But uh, I'm already uh, wide awake and and uh, well into my day, so it's well, all that's good. That's one of the common habits of highly effective leaders and successful entrepreneurs and people that are really happier. I know that um, Brian talks a lot about the five a.m. club and and the book writ written by Robin Sharma. And it, it shows that collectively people who get up earlier are happier, more successful, get more done and just bring more abundance in their life. So good morning to you on the left coast and good morning to all our friends uh, here on Breakfast with Champions. So um, we're just kicking off this next hour and we're going to uh, hopefully engage in some some great dialogue that we can get our friends to to chime in. So let's invite some friends into the room by hitting that lower plus sign in the lower right hand corner, invite our friends in, tweet it out, let's let's build this stage uh, and let's keep the conversation going. So uh, we talked this morning and we, you know, Raylan brought up a great topic that we wanted to dive into, which was how to become the outlier in your industry, how to set yourself apart from everybody else in what you do. Raylan, what, what was the uh, impetus for this topic? And let's dive into it. Yeah, so honestly, it was mostly because of the conversation we had yesterday, and, and Brian Benstock talked a great deal about self-mastery, and we all were floating around this subject of self-mastery, so they got me thinking, right? Like, yes, we understand that self-mastery is important, but I think one of the things we, we didn't really dive into too much was why it's so important, and, and what is the outcome you can expect when you do become the, the self-mastered person, and the next tier to that is 
becoming the outlier. And so, and again, when I look at the co-host here that I'm privileged to be a part of, right, every single one of them is an outlier. So that's the topic today. Can't wait to hear about uh, what everyone thinks about it. Well, Barbara, Brian, I think one of the yeah. one of the first things that jumps out at me is you just said it. Brian talked about it with the five a.m. club. Uh, Brian is notorious for getting up at four a.m. Uh, every single day religiously. Um, and you know, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, I, I mean, I was sharing with with people last year uh, over and over again that you understand if you get up two hours earlier, just two hours earlier, you're going to pick up seven hundred and thirty hours in the course of a year of productive time, of meditative time, of knowledge assimilation time, of work time, and of being able to outgrind and out hustle time. If you divide that by you know 18 hours, let's say you sleep six hours a day, you're picking up 41 days on the competition, 41 days more in the course of a year. You turned your year into a, into a 400 plus day year. And Malcolm Gladwell, said something actually really interesting uh, in his book, The Outliers, and people may accept it or not accept it. But Malcolm said, no one who can rise before dawn, 365 days a year, fails to make their family rich. So it's a provocative statement, but I would it would be interesting to see if somebody can uh, uh, prove that to be wrong. Well, you know, David, the only person that can prove that to be wrong is the person that gets up and wastes the time, you know, to get up and dilly-dally in the morning. I have a, Good you, you point. Said, uh, you said getting up early, uh, I have a very specific routine. I was talking with uh, Joy Farley earlier uh, today. You know, you, you, this routine to me is, is sacrosanct. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost religion that that first hour is get the cup of coffee, uh, you know, really be thankful for waking up. I don't take that for granted anymore. And then and jump into a, a book. Uh, and specific books. I think education is the only inoculation against disruption. And I, you know, I, I am preparing for war uh, mentally and physically. I think we're headed into some really uncharted water right now, economically. Um, and you know, the things that are going on right now, you got to be you got to be aware of. And uh, in order to protect yourself, I'm not afraid of them. I'm afraid of not taking the action. So, you know, getting up that first hour in the morning is what am I doing to fortify my brain uh, against what I think is coming? And the next hour is how do I, you know, sweat on purpose with a purpose and, and get my, my physical body as strong as I can get that. And then and then I go to my David Spisak hour, you know, usually from six to seven, which is the data. Dig into the data. What the heck's the data look like? Uh, whether it be in, in investment portfolios or certainly in the dealerships portfolios, what does the data tell me? What am I missing? What 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 insights can I glean from that data? Are there trends going on? And and um, and then you know what? And then what the heck am I going to do about that? Plan out the day, and then uh, three S's and, and get myself out the door. Raylan, I'd love to hear you on this one. Yeah. So. Can you hear me, by the way? I'm in a really Yeah, bad you area. sound good. Okay. So, actually, my morning's like the same, um, which is interesting. And I wanted to start here, actually, because it starts with being an outlier starts in the morning. And so, for me, the only added thing I would say is that I do the same thing. I wake up at 4 a.m. I, from that point, am diving into coffee and a reading. But the next hour for me is actually thinking time. It's I take everything that I learned from that book or, or from whatever and try to come up with something innovative, try to come up with a solution to a problem that I may be having. It's kind of it comes from The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. I'm not sure if you if anybody read that one, 
but that's what I do in my mornings. After that, um, it's really dependent on the day and I plan ahead. But the key to me, honestly, the difference for me is thinking time. What are your thoughts on that? Thinking, thinking is, is, is what it's all about. And I think that's, you know, you're, you're talking about getting greater awareness by reading and really uh, educating yourself. And then thinking time is really the part that putting the clutch in gear, engaging the ideation, the thoughts, the direction that the author is trying to put forth. And you're, you're saying, hey, how does that apply to me? And how can I make that benefit uh, what I'm doing, what I'm feeling, what I'm living? I think that's the key. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of people. A lot of people go on Clubhouse and they listen to these rooms and they get all pumped up. And then they go into the next room and they get all pumped up. And they go into the next room and they get all pumped up. Then they have lunch. And then they get go back and they get pumped up. And they don't do anything. And, you know, it, it just it's just not going to work if you don't do anything. So, you know, really thinking through uh, what you're going to do and what steps you're going to take, uh, I think, is the incredibly important next step after you get that education. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos famously, and the first time I heard this, I thought, are you serious? That he famously doesn't show up to work until about 10 in the morning. Um, that was always his MO. And the reason for that, Raylan, is because uh, as Brian talked about his um, uh, nearly religious um, dedication uh, to his regimen, uh, Jeff spends time thinking every single morning and he goes through that process and he does not leave and go into work until he has dedicated himself to making the time and the space to be able to do whatever he's doing, whether it's assimilating knowledge. I'm sure he's done that for years, but maybe even more importantly, thinking about what his intentions are or what the potential uh, opportunities are in the course of that day, that week, and and so forth. And and somebody'd have to say it's worked out pretty well for him. Uh, the you know the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, uh, spends notoriously six hours a day for his lifetime. Think about this, everybody. Every day, three hundred sixty-five days a year, that guy spends six hours a day reading. He gets up early in the morning. There's no dilly dallying. To Brian's point. And he spends that time being knowledgeable. And somebody, he didn't just get lucky for the last 40 years in terms of his investment uh, results. The guy put himself in that place. Most people just aren't willing to do that. So here's yeah, the, David, 500 pages a day, he reads. 500 pages a day. 500 pages a day. And, and, and so think, think of the edge and the advantage that he has. And, you know, and he's looking at things that are, Highly technical, you know, whether it be uh, financial statements for corporations, uh, annual reports, he's digging into stuff that's not just light reading. And, and then th that gives him an incredible insight and advantage into moving Berkshire Hathaway uh, in, in a better direction. You know, and isn't it great to be an investor in Berkshire Hathaway to know that the captain of the ship uh, has got that kind of dedication to what it is that he's doing? Well, that, that, that's a great point you just brought up. And Rayleigh, maybe you want to touch on that, but uh, because this is a, a whole different level. It's great for yourself, you know, to do that. But, you know, Brian is the, is the leader of his organization. You know, uh, Jeff is the leader of his organization. Warren is the leader of his organization. How much does every person in that organization, think about that. 
How much are they positively impacted, Raylan, by the fact that that person is absolutely committed to those disciplines? Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, from a, from let's go like a lower level, right? So for me, I don't have a bunch of employees. I have a bunch of like I just have a few independent contractors. So let's talk to like the the solopreneurs out there, the coaches out there. The thing that thinking time really allows you to do is to get to the level that you all are at, where we're, we have a bunch of employees. Well, how does thinking time help you with that? Because in order to be the outlier that we're talking about, you have to actually innovate. You have to push thoughts and ideas going further. So for me, that thinking time, yes, of course, is taking everything that I learned from the book and seeing how it applies to me. But the other part of it is simply just writing a problem at the top of the page. So every morning I write a one problem on top of the page and I try to come up with as many solutions to that problem as I possibly can. Now, Brian, David, Barb, 99.9% .9 of the solution I come up with suck, okay? But every once in a while, there's an idea that is different from what everyone else is doing and that's how you can stand out, be different. Like think about it, right? Like Albert Einstein famously spent a lot of time in thinking time. A lot of what we're talking about is kind of the same. There's common, There's a through line between all these highly successful people. And the thing that he did most was think, right? He'd go to a chalkboard and go, here's the problem I'm trying to solve. And he would just write on the chalkboard for hours. And by the way, he spent a lot of time going on walks, being in thought. Why? Because if we want to truly be outliers, we can't really do what everyone else is doing. We can't think the same ways. We can't, you know, take everyone's perspective as word and go, okay, this is what it's going to be and just do the same things, right? The sounds of silence is I, I can't find my unmute. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. But no, you know, in fact, if you want to be in that top 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, you've got to do what the other 95% won't do. And I think uh, to your point, Raylan, the people that we admire and respect, whether it be in athletics, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, the uh, uh, LeBron Jameses, they're not like everybody else. They're actually playing a different game than everybody else in business. When we talk about a Tim Cook, that's, that's taken Apple from uh, 300 billion to 1 trillion, and then two years later took it to 2 trillion, and is now well on his way to taking that to a $3 trillion corporation. Uh, Jeff Bezos, who we've mentioned, Elon Musk, who's, I mean, these guys are playing uh, on another planet. We hear about them sleeping on couches, working 20 hour days, and we say, no, 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 that's not me, man. I ain't doing that. That's okay. But don't want what they want. Don't begrudge what they have. Don't say they don't do enough, uh, pay enough taxes. That nobody should earn that kind of money because you're not willing to get off the couch and put the time in. Be cool with that. Say, hey, you know, I, I got, Raylan, I, I, you know, I get attacked now by the trolls. And you know you're making progress when the trolls come after you on Instagram. And they're like, I don't think I should get up at 4 o'clock. I think it could be just as productive waking up at 5 o'clock. Hey, the, 9 o'clock. Then get up Perfect. at 9 o'clock. What the hell can I tell you if that make, if that floats your boat? But I got a whole day done by, by 9 o'clock. I've got a whole 
day in the books already. And there, the notion is, well, I'll just stay up five hours later. Yeah, well, okay, how's that working out for you? What are you doing? Watching television? Playing on the computer? You know, it, it, it's really specifically setting time aside for yourself. And you've got, it, it, those of us that work for other people, you know, that that's the time you put into that job. This is working for yourself. And you've got to be uh, at least as dedicated to be dedicated to yourself and that special time that, that you have that's to me it's sacred time the hours between four o'clock and, 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 and ten o'clock in the morning that's the time when, when the, the cement is set on the foundation of what should be a magnificent day but you know if you if you're starting out at nine o'clock you're already behind the eight ball you're behind the competition and if you're one of those I work five days a week uh, uh, and you think that that's going to get you done. You can't compete with me. You can't compete with us. You, you just can't. Sorry. Yeah, but I'll work really hard. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll work your five-day schedule. You'll check out. You'll go have your party and stuff. And, and, and you know, Raylan and, and David and Barbara, my, my intention for this show in the morning is to start stepping up the intensity and leaning in. I'm not, I don't care if you like me or not. It's not at all important to me. Uh, if you don't want to follow what I, I, I do, that's certainly your prerogative. But if you want to lean in and you want to see the magnificence and the genius that's within all of us, you know, th then I'm going to ask you to lean in with me. And maybe your schedule is not to get up at four. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's six or maybe it's three. It depends on how serious you are about you. And, you know, there's nothing I'm more serious about than, than me and my family and my business. Nothing at all. One of the things, I, so the thing I think people get caught up a lot in is the 4 a.m. thing. Well, it's 4 a.m. I think what matters most is the time, productive time. So like if somebody said to me, well, I stay up late. I actually know there's only one kind of person I know that does this effectively. And it's actually coders. Like for whatever reason, I've met a lot of coders in my time um, that are highly successful, people that have built apps. And for whatever reason, their brain just works different. And they just, they do the same thing we do, but they're up until 4 a.m. And they're sitting there coding their, 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 their butt off, right? But I think what's most important, like you said, Brian, is that time dedication to you and your craft. And if you aren't spending the time to spend, if you're not spending your time developing your craft, that self-mastery you talked about, you're not really going to stand out. But I'm actually curious about something you said, Brian. I think everyone here on stage kind of does something similar to this, which is the idea of not caring what someone thinks about you. This is so interesting because everyone says you should not care what someone thinks about you. And there's very few that actually know how to do that. Because especially in these clubhouse streets, on Instagram, whatever, a lot of our businesses are around social media. And so when we get a troll, when we get a hater, when we get whatever, when we're privileged to get those people in our lives, and Barbara can even speak to this as well, is, is how do you actually not care? Because I think that's one of the, the skill sets of an outlier is someone who actually doesn't truly care about what the naysayers, about what others think about what they're doing and why. I found my way later, right? Like I literally just came up with, oh, I get it now, maybe three years ago. But I'm interested to hear from you all, how did you figure out that, that algorithm to actually not caring about what the naysayers say? You know, Raylan, uh, Brian just said something a little bit ago. You know, he cares about uh, his self-development. He cares about his family. He cares about uh, achieving at the highest level. 
um, for his business and the people in his business and the clients in his business. Nowhere in that statement did it say, I care about the people on Instagram. Does it say, I care about what somebody else thinks about me? And I think one of the traits of an outlier certainly has to be that you're doing this for yourself. What is your intention? Is your intention attention? Or is your intention uh, a commitment to uh, performing and getting to a certain result? If if that's where your brain is, you're not. Nobody's going to be able to knock you off your track. No, you're not going to care. Uh, whether somebody likes what you're doing or doesn't like what you're doing. And oftentimes when you hear a statement like you just said, we think in terms of somebody making negative comments. But those same people, outliers, aren't even so, they're not concerned or seeking out the positive comments, the positive reaffirmations uh, from somebody else. It doesn't honestly matter. You have a purpose, you have an intention, you have a commitment, you have a discipline. And there's nothing that's going to knock you off that track. And I think that's really one of the big differences between an outlier, in my mind, and somebody who may have average performance or below average performance. Um, the second thing I'll say is another thing that I recall from Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, is that success is not a random act. It arises out of a predictable and powerful set of circumstances and opportunities. And and it, it, it comes about when somebody takes whatever talent they have, whatever IQ they have, because a lot of people, we'd like to convince ourselves that the Bill Gates or the Elon Musk or the Jeff Bezos or the, uh, Sarah Blakesley uh, or whoever's out there, Jesse Eitzler, somehow they must have this IQ that's in the stratosphere. Somehow they must have had this incredible head start. And the reality is, is that most of them absolutely positively did not. Uh, Elon's, uh, or no, was, yeah, Elon Musk's mom, for example, was a teacher. Very humble beginnings. Had to relocate a number of times. So we'd like to convince ourselves of that. But the reality is it's easier to convince ourselves of that or, hey, I didn't have this head start, or A, I'm a victim of something, than to be able to commit to the level of discipline and commitment that Brian has committed to every morning or that I have getting, gotten up and done for 48 years in a row, uh, every single morning. And any outlier out there, to whatever degree you are an outlier, you have to be more committed to your own purpose than you are to what somebody thinks. I love you. that you said that because so many people do. It's easier to say, oh, must be nice. And to really just uh, not applaud somebody's uh, outcomes. Instead, be like, oh, well, you know, they had this going for them and they had that going for them and they had a leg up on me. And if I had that same leg up, I would have been there. That's just, that's a, that's a, a decision that people can make, but it is unproductive and um, is a bit of a cop-out, but people do it all the time because it justifies where they're at. And I need to loop back because Raylan, Raylan must have read that email that I had gotten and talk about FOPO. And FOPO is the fear of other people's opinions. And I will say Raylan and everyone, we are all a masterpiece and a work in progress simultaneously. And some people are just better adept at, you know, not caring what other people think. But for me, I am a constant work in progress in that space because I do care what other people think. I'm a people pleaser. I like to be liked, but I've come to a, a healthier space and, and it's been a process 
um, and it'll always be a process for me where I realize that you can be the juiciest peach out there, but not everybody's going to like peaches. And I've come to accept that. And if anybody goes over to my social media, you'll see um, about 18 months ago, send, somebody sent me such a scathing email that it's like a symphony, it's a symphony of hate. And it's so mean that it actually moves from like, like gasp to like laugh. I like laugh at it. I'm like, could you have been any meaner? Could, is there any other part of me that you wanted to accost and assault? But here's the takeaway from it is that that person took me to my edge. I didn't, I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I didn't listen to a word of what they, they said and they didn't break me. They built me. They showed me that you can come at me come hell or high water, I'm still going to move my feet forward. I still have more to do in this lifetime. I'm still a purpose-driven individual who cares about what other people think. And we'll take pause in the hate. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be like, give anybody some, some sort of delusion that I, like you throw spears at me and I'm like, you know, bobbing and weaving like Floyd Merriweather. Like, I'm not that girl. I take it. I take it on the chin and I'm like, well, that hurt. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean I don't get up and stay in the arena. So I think that Raylan and everyone that brings up. You left something out of the Floyd Mayweather thing. You take it on the chin and you smile back. And, and, you know, yes, I you throw it back about, in their face. You want to take about stealing somebody's soul. Yes. And they hit you with their best shot. And you look back and you smile at them. They, they, they don't know what to think. They're like, oh, no. And I, I mean. I had that experience. Some guy uh, was, you know, being a little bit muscly in, in, a, in, a, in a nightclub a couple of years ago. And I was with a guy that looked like Patrick Swayze, kind of lean, built, but the guy was an incredible fighter. And, and the guy, you know, got all in, in my face. And my buddy goes, hey, leave my friend alone. He goes, yeah, what are you going to do about it? He goes, oh, I'm not going to do anything about it. And the guy, the big guy swings at my friend and hits him squarely in the face. And my friend just puts his fingers on his mouth to see if he's bleeding. And then I saw the other guy. I saw it was like somebody walked over his grave. <laughs> my friend just stood there. And it was about that time, I think the guy pooped his pants. And, 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 and so it was, it, it's when you don't give the reaction. And going back to, you know, your opinion is your opinion. And I, I'm not defined by somebody else's opinion of me. And, and I don't, it, I, I would prefer, of course, to be liked. It's really important. But for me, my guiding principle for now better part of 15 years is to have the respect of people that I respect. And, and, and if other people do respect me, that's wonderful. It's a bonus. But I'm looking at the people that know what it is to put the work in, the people that know what it is to spend the time in training, whether that be training your brain or training your, training your, your store, your team, to put the time in developing other people. The, those are the things that are important to me. And the trolls and, and you know, the people that are going to judge you by what you have or you don't have. I was, there's a, 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 what was it, a, a TikTok post and I'm on a Peloton in my, in my home office and people are, are commenting, oh, he must not be su that successful. Look at his, look at his office. And, and then I, I think it's beautiful, but I'm, what do I know? And then, oh, look, he's got the old Peloton. Well, okay, yeah, I was one of the first guys to get it, and the damn thing still works. You know, you pedal, you push one pedal down, the other one comes up. It really works. It still works. 
So I don't, I don't, and then, and then they were complaining my seat's too low. I mean, I, seriously, you got time for that? But you know uh, what, Brian, what I love is that when people do that, if you can take these bricks that people throw at you and build a, a castle, it is so empowering. So even when you take those, like if people are commenting on that, it actually amplifies your algorithm. And what for me, what I did, so I took that email that was written and it's, and I put it on my Instagram and I put some music to it. And it's gotten over 8,000 views, I think at this point, probably more, I haven't looked in a couple of days, but the, the point is I'm like, wow, like you're helping me to really build my, my brand and helping people to understand that I'm a human being dealing with adversity and setbacks. So I took the brick and I'm like, well, how can I make my house more fortified? How can I continue to, to use it? Cause at, and actually what they said in the email was they were like you something about an entrepreneur they said i was not an entrepreneur or something like that and i was like really <laughs> so in the last since i posted it i was like you know what i better start putting out some of my press that i've done over the last you know my lifetime my adulthood so that you know i reintroduce myself to my audience because i realized that i have so many new friends followers fans that maybe not don't know the different iterations nah, of the things that I i've done back, man. So, i'm still a kid like that i fire back because the, the guy that I, took the shot at me yeah the guy that took the <laughs> one of the shots at me i look and he had three followers so i just posted <laughs> after the comment says the man with three followers you know dot 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 you know it, it's you got to look at the source where is it coming from right where is it coming from and, and then when you look at where it's coming from it's never coming from somebody that's achieved more than you've achieved. It's never coming from somebody that's in a position that you're envious of. It's always coming from somebody that's uh, you're jealous or, you know, nobody's below me, but it's, it's jealous or, or has less. And they're the ones with the loudest voice and something to say. I mean, meanwhile, that you know, they, they, there's no following, there's no influence, there's no sphere, there's no intelligence behind what they're saying. And, you know, most of the people don't know you well enough to comment on your life. And those that do understand i mean but the 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 best thing to happen to you is to have somebody that has been hating on you and hating on you and and, and they come to respect you after they've been in the ring with you for a long time and that that's uh that's a really great feeling that you know you're sitting in there and you're going back and forth uh, david you, you must have had this happen we we were in court and the attorney on the other side was so good so good and he kicked the stuffing out of our attorney and i don't remember what the case was but that guy was so good. You know what we did? We hired the guy. We hired the guy. I wasn't hating on the guy. I mean, I, I just like, wow, you're good, man. And, and, and you know, we licked our wounds and said, you know, uh, okay, uh, you know, if we're in trouble in the future, uh, I want you on, in, in our side, on our side. And, and so it's really a way to, 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 to flip that and to reverse that and to take that negative energy and turn it into something beneficial. I think well, that before it... Go ahead. Yeah, sorry Actually, about that. Well, let's let's defer to Barb and then Raylan, you jump, you jump and I'll jump. I was just going to say a, a drowning you. man will always bring you down. And that's why it's important to recognize that only people doing worse than you are going to try to hold you back. So over to you, Raylan, and then uh, David. Just wanted to decode something really quick for, for all the listeners uh, before we kind of it spins off to something else. But there, there's something that everyone's kind of said here. And this is the thing, once again, that I, I found out late, which is the idea that you all. And, and now me, a few years ago, we don't create meaning around things that are unnecessary in our lives. So what I mean by that is when someone says something about you and, and there's something in you that you know springs up and you're like, oh man, like what you, normally we do is we create meaning around it. 
well, someone said this about me, it must be true. Or maybe there's something in there and, and this makes me feel some type of way. But what really what we're saying is you have a choice whether or not you assign meaning to that. And it doesn't matter what somebody says, good or bad to David's point, not even results should shape your worth. Now, from that point, again, you have a choice what you do then. And I think what's interesting is Brian's talked about the idea of source and acknowledge the source. There is a slight pushback I'll, I'll give here, even though I totally agree. So maybe this is a yes and statement, I should say, which is there was a time where uh, I remember back in my old fighting days and I was training. And one of the things that I, I was like, basically the enforcer in the gym. So anyway, so there's always that guy that came into the gym, was wearing a wife beater and, you know, watched MMA for a while and then wanted to fight and thought he could fight. Right. And it's an ongoing rule in the gym that essentially you're not trying to take each other's head off. You're trying to get better. And so anyway, this guy's like picking on some of the smaller weight classes. My coach goes, Ray, get after him. Right. So we spar, you know, I did pretty well, whatever. But then afterwards, he pulls me aside and goes, hey, man, you're loading up your right hand. And immediately my ego springs up. And I go, who the heck are you? You've never even had a professional fight yet. You just started training. Who are you to tell me? But then there was a moment that I stopped and go, well, is there any truth to this? And it turns out I was loading up my right hand. Basically, for those that don't know, it means I was drawing back my right hand before I threw it. So I wasn't being efficient with my punch and it was slowing down and that makes it not as efficient. And so what I did was I took a look in the mirror and I go, okay, I need to work on this. And I got better. So yes, absolutely. If someone's giving you a, 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 a criticism, yeah, definitely look at the source. But the other part of it is you have to ask yourself, is this an opportunity to get better? And to me, I don't really care what the source is. If now, I can Ray, get better, Ray, I'm going to get better. That's exactly the truth. And that's really under the, the heading of see the possibility in things you disagree with. And, you know, so, you know, that, that internal, and I think that's something we share in common because when someone uh, gives me a critique many years ago, um, I got, when I was made the general manager of the dealership, which was momentous for me. Um, the used car manager went to my partner behind my back and said, but, but Ben Stock doesn't know used cars. And, um, and my partner um, called me into his office afterwards and said, hey, I just want to tell you what Nick said. Nick said, I should have never promoted you as a general manager. You don't know used cars. And I immediately, I want him out of here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire him and, and get rid of the guy. And he said, Brian, there's two ways people can feel about you. They can be jealous of you or they can feel sorry for you. And given the choice, you'd always rather have them be jealous. And I said, hold, hold on, you know, don't do it just yet. And, and then I looked and I realized, you know, our used car numbers weren't that great. Our numbers weren't that great. And, and so, you know, um, I did end up firing the guy because uh, he was one of the problems and one of the reasons our numbers weren't great. And I can say this with a, a decent amount of pride. Our stores now are the number one selling certified Honda and Acura dealerships on planet Earth, on planet Earth. And, you know, it's it's something that I, I got to thank this guy for, uh, because, you know, perhaps like you loading up your right hand, uh, perhaps that person uh, really helped you with what they were doing. And, and it sounds like the guy who was telling you you were loading up your hand was genuinely looking to uh, help you. This guy was not looking to help me, but he did me a tremendous favor. It's it's interesting, Raylan, that story. I love that story because this is a guy that clearly uh, didn't have any experience and you clearly recognize that, but that didn't necessarily mean that he wasn't a student of the game. And he clearly was a student of the game. And so 
you know, we've all seen those times in life where there's uh, those who can do and who's those who don't teach. And, you know, some of the greatest coaches on the planet <clears throat> look at John Madden, for example. John Madden, who recently passed away, was an incredible human being, a fascinating person. You could not have a bad time hanging out with John. And I don't know if anybody knew more about football in terms of insights than John. The guy never played one game professionally. And so that didn't take away from his mastery uh, to the point of what you were talking about earlier and what Brian was talking about yesterday. So I think that we've got to be very careful to be sure whether we're going to sanction somebody's remarks or not. But we have to be equally careful to check ourselves uh, to make sure that it's not our ego that is dictating our reaction rather than our desire to and our commitment to get better. Beautifully said. And I think one other thing there too was was when we talk about like football coaches, the first person I think of is actually Bill Campbell. And for those that don't know, uh, a book was written about Bill Campbell called The Trillion Dollar Coach. He was like Steve Jobs' uh, business coach. He was the founders of Google's business coach. Like every basically huge company you've heard of, the CEOs had a coach. His name was Bill Campbell. Well, G Bill Campbell, which is interesting because he was the coach to all these like huge tech companies, was actually just a failed football coach. Like he wasn't that good of a coach because he cared deeply for his people, which brings me to another skill I feel like outliers have. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. But what Bill did was his love for the, his players and his ability to care deeply about them getting what they want, not just out of football, but out of life led to them, you know, having outstanding careers outside of football that translated over to him as a business coach. Right. And so I feel like the outliers do extremely well by knowing what their skill set really is, understanding how it fits in the market and most importantly, niching down, not in terms of people, but in what they do. Like, for example, you know, Brian, you're in the you're in the automotive industry. You could easily take your skill sets in sales and, you know, apply it to any industry but you're smart enough to know I could double down here and make way more money than if I spread myself thin. So talk to me a little bit about like all three of you, Barb, David, and, and Brian, that skill set of knowing how to niche, niche down on your skill set, again, not just the industry, but on your skill set and really honing your craft there. I think a lot of people make the mistake that expertise in one segment or one industry gives you expertise in something else and and you know the most the easiest thing that comes to mind is athletes that start talking about politics you know stay in your space stay in your lane and for for us you know i, I think um mastery is something you're never done with so you know before i look to do something in a different industry why don't i get everything i can out of this industry and i you know famously uh i i, I feel uh that there's more there there and I guess I'd probably get out of the industry or the business uh, the second I really truly believe that there's not more there, there. But there is always another level. And I'm enjoying exploring that other level with a bunch of young men and women that are like-minded thinking that they're, you know, we've just hit an all-time record. 2020 was an all-time record for the corporation by magnitudes uh, I, I really couldn't imagine. And then uh, here we go in 2021, uh, more than doubling that. So, you know, there's more there, there. And so long as there is, I'm going to stay in my lane. You know, Raylan, what comes to mind, I think, and Brian, that's amazing. And I know that everybody loves hearing about that because that just gives such 
value to, to the conversation that you bring here. And what I'm hearing in this this conversation about leadership and maybe moving from one space of coaching to mentorship is I can't help but realize say say to myself, Raylan, when you brought that up of um, people don't care what you know until you know that they they care. And that is why people are able to transition maybe from coaching sports teams into coaching uh, you know, CEOs and executives because they take stock or as David says, takes inventory of what that person wants. What do they want? What's in it for them? And the best leaders, the best coaches realize that their success is strictly a byproduct of helping, helping their team succeed, the people on their team and taking an interest in what they want. And I'll use it as an example. I like I'll use a sports analogy. The end of the day, their players want to win Super Bowls. They want to win. They want to succeed. They want to run the plays. They don't want to fall flat on their face when they get out on the field. And the coaches that are just strictly about their own, you know, their own edification and their own grandeur, it doesn't translate in how they coach. But when they realize that the only way to win Super Bowls is to coach their players to be at their highest performance and to focus on their individual needs and what they need to tweak and work on. And the byproduct is always going to be winning. And th those are the best mentors, coaches that are able to move from the field of sports to the field of coaching CEOs and running large organizations. That's what's always worked for me. That was a huge transition for me when I was building my sales teams is that I stopped worrying about my outcome of my sales. I'm going to run the best sales team. I'm going to make money and I'm going to be rich and I'm going to like me, 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 me. And I ran my, my, you know, I ran it like a small business when I started to really look at, all right, listen, and it just took like this surrender of like, forget me, like, how, what is in the best interest that let me coach this, but like, really started to dive into each one of uh, my team members, man, my business grew like a wildfire and the expansion was so much more seamless. So I, I just wanted to share that people don't care what you know until they know that you care and you actually take a vested interest in their success and your success is the, is the byproduct. So David, I saw you on mic. Did you want to jump in? Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Barb. And, and Raylan, another uh, interesting point, you know, I'll say a, a couple things. Number one, uh, and Brian, you alluded this alluded to this earlier. Um, you know, outliers will never push down another outlier, and outliers inherently want to lift up other people. Outliers inherently recognize certain characteristics and traits in others, and they it's intoxicating to them. They want to help that other person who may be a younger outlier or not as far along in the journey, they're, they're going to want to reach out and help that person. And so you really have to recognize who you're surrounding yourself with. You know, and if you go back to your, your earlier uh, statement or thought regarding attention, you know, or what other people think of you, uh, you know, Brian, as he said, you know, it's not the outliers that are gonna be posting, uh, trolling you and posting negative things not one time those people are going to be the one that are giving you kudos now the reality is most of the time it's going to be silent because like i said just like they don't seek attention they oftentimes don't give attention so you know if you're the type of person who does need uh, attention and um acknowledgement constantly you probably haven't reached outlier stage yet um the outliers are not really concerned with that. So that's that's one thing. Number two, you know, when you look at the greatest VC firms on the planet, 
like uh, Andreessen Horowitz or Sequoia or any of these fantastic, incredibly successful, you'll find one thing in common. They all have a profile and they all have disciplines, meaning they stay in their lane. Uh, they don't invest in things that they cannot necessarily add value to. Um, they're wise enough and smart enough to know that life is hard enough, business is hard enough, success is hard enough on its own. But if you try to go too wide, if you try to be all things to all people, if you're trying to make everybody happy and have everybody like you, you're going to end up oftentimes with nothing at all. And so they have this incredible discipline, this profile, and you could walk in with the greatest idea in the world. And if it's not within their particular discipline, the chances are incredibly high. They're going to say, hey, wishing you good luck. Congratulations on what you've built. Have a nice day. And they're going to move on. And you'll even see that on Shark Tank uh, on a regular basis where you'll have one of the sharks like Mark Cuban gay. Hey, listen, I can't add any value to what you're doing. You know, that's really not what I do. And they'll just pass on it regardless of whether people uh, watching that program might think, what are you doing, man? That's the greatest uh, investment opportunity in the planet. So there's a lot of aspects uh, about outliers that make them so interesting. But the coolest thing is the fact, the reality that anybody truly can be an outlier. And it's not, it has nothing to do, as Brian often says, has nothing to do with your gender, doesn't have anything to do with your ethnicity, doesn't have anything to do with your socioeconomic conditions. It has everything to do with the old saying, I think it was, wasn't it Dennis Waitley that says, if it's to be, it's up to me. I love that you brought that up about doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, frog, that always lands with me because I used to be asked when I was running my my sales teams, they'd be like, hey, Barb, what's it like being a woman in business with all these men? And I was always I'd come up with these stupid answers like, oh, well, it's like very challenging and I'm very like and then I took I really like I was like, God, I, I just was such a phony. And finally, just one day I was asked that question and I was like, I don't know, I actually have no idea what it's like to be a woman in business because I've never been a man in business and I don't show up to any sort of dialogue, conversation, anything. I don't show up as a woman. I don't show up as a man. I don't show up as a frog. I just show up as somebody who's interested in other people. I'm interested in self-growth and development and learning and I'm ambitious. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm sorry. I cannot answer that question. I never will. I'll never try to pontificate it on and on again. I show up because I'm curious and I'm excited about opportunity. Now, will people prejudge me? Yeah, I can't control that. And the way people might immediately take stock of me, I don't care. That's on you. I cannot control anybody else and their perception of me and what they think I bring to the table. I, I don't I don't care because I can't control it. I can only control how I show up and I show up with confidence and curiosity and, you know, interest in other people. And I, I don't show up as like, oh, I hope they don't realize I'm a woman or I hope they don't realize I'm in my 20s, 30s, 40s. I don't show up with any of that. I'm like, I don't care. I'm in it to win it. I'm pulling up a seat at the table. And people used to ask me all the time too, hey, what's it like being a twin? And I would come up with another stupid answer. I have, I was an only child for four damn minutes and I don't have any access to that. So I always, I'm like, I don't, I no longer answer questions in that space. I show up with what I've got 
And I recognize that we all prejudge each other with what, you know, that our own experiences, our own lens, our own bias, our own prejudice. We all show up with that because it's based on experiences. But at the end of the day, your judgment is really based on how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself, your actions, your behaviors, and all the things that you make the decision to control and not control. It can't control anyone else. So I am not a frog in business, but I'm, I'm just, I'm like, I'm in this game of life to play, play the sport. Yeah. Yeah, Barb, I, I, I can't help but think, and the more I, th I think about you and the more, more I've had the opportunity to listen to you be around you virtually, obviously, hopefully we meet sometime in person, uh, but, you know, would you consider what you've gone through and the journey you've been through and this intentionality you had to get on TV with no <laughs> with no there's no rational thinking to most people on the outside yeah that makes sense barb you have no experience you don't know anybody in tv yeah sure why would you not be on tv <laughs> yeah of course makes perfect sense but to you it made perfect sense number one and what what's really what's striking me today in this conversation i'm loving this conversation about outliers is that you are actually you actually made it through that journey you you'd already gone through hell and back when it came to gone through the fire with cancer and and so you went through that journey to get on television and little does anybody know who may see you on a today show segment or a fox segment uh realize that you are the shark that you are the outlier you're not like a lot of, I would have to say the 90%, I'm guessing of the people that come on and do segments on the Today Show, I'm sure they're very nice people, but I'm pretty certain they're not Barb Majeski material, if I, if I could say that. You are so much more than even what you present on television because people might think, oh, what a nice woman doing this really nice puff piece or fluff piece, whatever you guys call it. <laughs> And, and little do they know it's a shark that's just having fun doing something that you love to do. I'm sharking. And, yeah, so then you walk out of that studio and you're like, I wonder who I'm going to eat today. Sharks uh, swim around, they, they growl, and they and they eat, they, they bite people's heads off. That's what sharks do. And I, my daughter met, met Barbara and she's like, she's looking at Barbara and she's like, uh, Dad, I, mean, I don't know. you know. And, and I said, she's a shark. Don't worry about it. Dad's a shark too. And sharks know they're kind. And we swim next to each other and we just, you know, it's okay, you know, and, and, and sharks are sharks. But, uh, you know, sometimes to the outside, it can be very intimidating. And I, I say uh, sharks uh, with the highest respect for uh, what you are and who you are, because I think it's, it's really uh, special. Do you know, know what sharks do? Sharks do their business without concerning themselves with anybody else. Yeah, and I they're, think... they're really not worried about your opinion, you know, yeah. as they roll their eyes back, open up wide and take a big bite at midsection you know it's not something they think about and you know frankly i think that you know on instagram on reels they have a lot of these uh nature kind of things where you see tigers and lions going after elk and and grabbing them and i'm fascinated by by this because you know we know it happens but we don't see it and and i you know i i equate that to business you know in in uh, if you're a lot i think i'm a lion in business and and if someone leaves something out there i'm going to chase after it i'm going to grab it i'm going to and i'm going to get it you know and, and, and it's 
if we're playing chess and you expose your queen, I'm going to take her. And it's, it's, I think it's nature. And all of this, well, you really shouldn't, you should save some for somebody else. No, that's not, you know, and I wanna make enough and do enough and elevate enough people where everybody can hunt for themselves and fend for themselves and grow for themselves. Too many people today, I think, are just waiting for somebody else to help them. And, you know, I think the best thing that we can do is to lead by example, to be, uh, the, the person that people follow and uh, irrespective of worrying about being liked. And that doesn't mean being mean or be nasty, but be true to yourself. And the best compliment I could ever get when I went to Glenn's event in Kentucky and one of his other events is like, oh my God, you're so nice. You're, I, I didn't expect you to be nice. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I listened to you uh, on Clubhouse, and then, but, but you're really nice. I, I, I said, man, I'm, I'm 100% the same person. There's no need to be mean-spirited or anything else, but I think that making people in this format, Barb and, and, and Ray and, and, and uh, David, I think to make people a little uncomfortable is to do a service. Uh, and, and you can choose whatever path you go on, but uh, if you're here to listen to flowers and roses and everything's wonderful and sweet and nice, I, I'm, I'm not your guy, but you know, sometimes I, I, I'm like that doctor you go to and you say, Doc, you know, what, what do I need to do? Well, you're fat. You need to lose, you need to lose some weight. You need to stop smoking. And it looks like you're drinking too much. And, and that, that bothers some people. I resonate to doctors like that. Tell me what I need to do, and I can do it. And so many of us want to hear, it's okay. You'll be all right. Do a little bit less. Eat a little bit less. Smoke a little bit less. And, you know, sadly, for most of us, that's not going to get the job done. Now, and I, you know, I think that's so important is that we understand people's intentionality. Like I, I want to help others. I want to help other people get out of their own way and live their best life and really abandon the weight of other people's opinions. And that's, that's a so much part of my story. And that's, I love what David said. Like you might see me on TV and realize, oh, she's so fluffy. And she's like, oh, that's a really cute idea for the Super Bowl. And that's just what I'm loving about Clubhouse is I can be so much more three-dimensional. Listen, I do TV because it's something that I always wanted to do. It was something I never checked off my list. And when I was confronted with my own mortality, I was like, why didn't I ever put myself in the in even the, the space to try it? So TV for me is fun. But now as I evolve here on Clubhouse and I do more stuff on TV, I'm like, listen, I'd really like to be, I'd like to sit at a table like they do on The View, except they actually like other people points of view which the view does not do that so i'm like all right how do i how do i keep you know i this these are all i'm just on an I'm, like i'm a shark i'm exploring new <laughs> i'm exploring new waters but i'm taking people along with me like understand like i i think it's funny that i'm you know that that might be my new moniker not barbara in the red dress but barbara in the, the shark suit but regardless i want to take people along with me on this journey of living your best life and not waiting till you're confronted with your own mortality and i just pinned a link up at the top because I went down to Miami last month and got so much out of being in the proximity of right-minded individuals that, you know, I, I, I talked to Elena and Grant and I was like, I would love to be a keynote speaker at your ladies event because I know I have a strong message to share. They invited me to be a speaker, a, a sharky speaker. And I'm talking about my, you invited yourself, you damn shark. No, I, I, listen, the answer is always no, unless you ask the question. So if anybody is like, well, doo -doo -doo, listen, I had to put myself out there and I had to be willing to take the no, we're, you know, we're not interested. It's not what we're looking for. I had to put myself out there. 
And I, I listen, it doesn't mean I don't get my feelings hurt. I'm not like, all right, but it just means I keep swimming. I'm like little Dory in, in Nemo. Like, I'll just keep swimming. I'll keep finding the right stages because I want to help. You are. Hey, I know yeah. Dory and you, my friend, are no Dory. <laughs> I am no Dory. I, but I do have that thing in my head. Just keep swimming. Um, but hey, I do hey. want to invite people. So please click on that link up on the top and join us because I'll be down there the fourth. I'm actually showing up on the third and I'm staying through to the weekend. And if anybody wants to join me, this is an investment in yourself that will pay dividends. Gina's going, Carmelia's going, I'm going. We're, we're trying to get the guys to go down and see if they're interested as well. It'll be it is, you will make the best investment if you come. So I just wanted to land that as we're uh, wrapping up. But David, I saw you on Mike and Raylan. Well, I, I just I just wanted to share one quick story. And you know, I, I uh, like you with, with TV, I've had people ask me for a long time, hey, why don't you do a podcast? And so I thought, all right, I, I should probably do that before I'm dead. It'd probably be more interesting if I do it before I'm dead rather than after I'm dead. So uh, I've done a few podcast episodes and, and the first one is actually up on Apple and Spotify. And I had the pleasure of, of uh, interviewing a woman by the name of Andrea McBride, who started a her and her sister. Uh, fascinating story. They didn't know each other existed until uh, she was 16 and her sister was 25. Same dad, different moms, different continents. Um, but you know, she told a story. I said, Hey, are there any attributes that you have now as an adult that you remember having as a kid that actually serve you today? And she said, yeah, she tells me the story about when she was in school and she said they did kind of a mock Olympics and uh, they all did their events. And at the end of the events and Brian, you're going to love this Raylan, you're going to love this at the end of the event. Uh, you know, she had won a gold medal. And uh, the other kid won a silver, another kid won a bronze. And then the teacher went and grabbed a big bag, she said, and she pulled out of the big bag yellow ribbons, and she handed yellow ribbons out to everybody else in the class who did not get a, a, a gold medal or silver or bronze. And so Andrea said, I looked at that and I thought, that's not right. And so she said, I went to each child and I ripped the yellow ribbon out of their hand. I took it from every kid in the class and I went to the front of the class and I said, look, she said, the Olympics has a gold, a silver and a bronze. There's no yellow ribbon. And she got in trouble and her mother ended up having to pick her up from school. And she goes home and her mom says, you know, Andrea, you really can't uh, do that. That wasn't the right thing to do, but you're right. And I said, can you imagine if your stepmom, and by the way, she lost both her mom and her dad as a child. Her stepmom said this to her foster mom. And she, I said, can you imagine if your foster mom did not say that to you, did not actually acknowledge that that was the right mindset? You and I probably aren't speaking today. And she said, you're 100% right. So, you know, we have to set the stage and we really have to consider you know, the way that we look at things, the way that we handle ourselves, the way that we uh, go out there, like Brian said, like Raylan said, and commit to disciplines every single day. This doesn't happen on accident. Success is not accidental. So this has been a great segment. Raylan, thank you for uh, serving up the topic. Yes. It was a selfish one. I wanted to learn good. from you all. <laughs> and uh, the, the final point it, it was said, but I want to make sure it was understood by everyone listening but one thing everyone has in common when we talk about outliers is the idea that you all everyone here that gets what they want are enrolled in getting the results whereas most people are more enrolled into the ideas the stories the circumstances the excuses 
that they have for their lives. And what's interesting is we talk about the concept of, you know, keep swimming, the Dory effect, right? Or as I like to say, in Ted Lasso, they talk about being a goldfish, have a short-term memory, right? A lot of it stems from this idea that we are more enrolled into what we want and just getting that versus the stories, excuses, or reasons why we can't have it. So anyway, Barbara, over to you. I love that. Oh my God. Yes, that is so good. Just keep swimming and have a short-term memory. That is so important. It's just let things go and keep moving the feet forward. Great conversation about uh, the strategies for being outliers. Brian, David, Raylan, another great, amazing hour. Did yeah. You, did you ever see a man or a woman committed to something and you, you, you try and interrupt them and take them off of where they're going? And, and they, they won't bend, they won't budge, they're going to stay with that. And after a while, people will tell that person, hey, what are you doing? You're crazy. You're doing too much of this. You're doing too much of that. And, and that stuff's got to serve as fuel to know you're making progress. You know, when people start telling you, take it easy, back, back off a little bit. We don't work like that here. And, you know, you've got to get the, the people around you that push you. And I think it's you know, that reciprocity that we talk about, David. I've got to get energy from the people that work for me, and I've got to give energy to those people. And, it, and it's that reciprocity where all of a sudden you got a lot of people on a boat or a lot of people in a household or a lot of people in a relationship growing in the same direction. Uh, you get the real, uh, the real um, zest and the uh, ability to increase your capacity. So I, I, too, appreciate the opportunity Ray wants to learn and get insights from you and from David and from... Uh, my friend Barbara. I love it. Well, thanks, guys. This was another great hour. And although we don't have a title, I don't know if we have a title for our morning grind. I do like Babs, uh, Breakfast with Babs, the boys in a boxer. So we're putting a pin on it's it. It's the I'm triple grind. It's a triple, it's a, it's a <laughs> morning grind. It's a triple entendre there. Yes. And I'm loving the morning grind. I, I think that's where we're going to land. But, you know, I got to throw in my breakfast with Babs, the boys in the boxer, because it just lands <laughs> with me. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.